Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will check in on the U.S. industrial sector, including reflections on Q1 performance, how the manufacturing space is positioned for the next few months, where opportunities exist within the sector, and more. Joining me here on the line today for the conversation, glad to welcome back Adam Shiner, Industrials and Materials Analyst for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Adam, good morning to you. Looking forward to our conversation today. Good morning. So, Adam, a lot of topics we want to hit on during our time together this morning. Maybe we can begin by reflecting on sector performance. So, looking at performance of the broader U.S. industrial sector on a year-to-date basis, uh, the sector has outperformed the broader market. So, Adam, what are the contributing factors from your vantage point to this performance? Yeah, I think what we're seeing here is catch-up trades after some underperformance last year due to COVID-19. Now with the vaccine being widely rolled out, we are seeing a strong rebound in earnings that are much better than expected. Uh, And this this increased level of profitability, I would say, is beyond anyone's really optimistic expectations and has taken investors by surprise. And and this has driven a decent outperformance we have seen this year. Uh, And it's totally offset concerns about rising raw materials as well. Now, stay-at-home activities has contributed to much stronger demand trends, which continued this year in areas of consumer demand, I would say, for purchases of hard goods, home activities such as the do-it-yourself home remodeling, and that's boosted tools, paints, and building materials spending, as well as spending on on people's heating and air conditioning systems as they've been uh, locked in at home as well. And I would also say strong e-commerce demand has helped uh, buoy uh, sector demand. Uh, as well. I would, I would say recently sector performance has also been helped by a rotation from growthier areas like tech into the more value cyclical areas like industrials that do well early into a recovery and as interest rates rise. And we continue at CIO to have a favorable view on value and believe this rotation could, should continue and support our performance of industrials in the months ahead. Also, if we look at the subset that has contributed to around the six percentage point outperformance this year, it echoes this theme as construction and building products are leading the way, uh, with machinery and air freight also being very strong. And areas like aerospace and electrical equipment are lagging, but should do better when these later cycle trends improve as we move into the second half of the year. Adam, with that backdrop in mind, how do you anticipate that the rebound in the group will progress through the balance of the year, if there's anything there you'd like to expand on? And how long, Adam, before manufacturing activity will match that of pre-pandemic levels? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of performance, we remain moderately preferred view on on the industrial sector. Uh, There are a lot of concerns that we are at peak activity and need to slow from here which could impact the sector's performance going forward. We don't agree with that view at this point, as we still see inventories to new orders at very low levels and need to see a restocking here uh, of demand that I think will continue to power strong activity going forward. Also, industrial production and top-line sales just turned positive uh, in terms of growth, uh, which leads us uh, to say that we're still too early to get underperformance in the group. In answer to your question, uh, we really, uh, you know, we haven't seen gotten to that pre-COVID level in the U.S. Globally, we are at that level. But the fact that we're really just starting to get uh, to the pre-COVID levels now uh, in industrials, we just think it's too early to say to say the cycle's over. So we're looking for modest outperformance uh, 
uh, going forward. We also think reopening will drive further demand in business, institutional, and travel areas that are still depressed. Uh, and government stimulus has been very supportive. We've seen $1.9 trillion stimulus package passed earlier this year, and we could see another over $2 trillion infrastructure spending going forward. So we think that's positive uh, for demand in the industrial sector. Also, earnings expectations for the sector we think are just too low. Earnings leverage is still underestimated, and company managements have done a good job of downplaying expectations. So we still expect beaten raises over the next few quarters and believe earnings strength can drive continued outperformance of the group as we move through through the year. Uh, we think the strength in earnings of, of over 50% growth this year that we're expecting can offset some modest valuation compression in the price-to-earnings ratios as, as we move through the recovery. So we think uh, that these earnings will more than offset uh, peak fears that we could see develop as we move through the year. Adam, what do you think are the real risks to the group that investors need to be mindful of? I know more broadly, inflation keeps coming up in conversations, but what are your thoughts right now in terms of risks? We see several risks. Uh, first, obviously, is a, any spike up of new variants of COVID-19. Now, why vaccines are doing their job, the rollout is slowing uh, due to vaccine hesitancy. And we're seeing spikes in other areas of the world, like Brazil and India. So any further he- uh, further setbacks here in fighting the virus is an obvi- obvious threat. And we need to control this spread uh, at this point. Second, raw material costs, which I mentioned, uh, which are being well offset by companies with strong demand, uh, pricing and productivity, are still uh, continuing to increase across the board. We're seeing new highs in steel uh, and copper prices and petrochemical and, and oil-based raw materials are continuing to increase. So material increases from here could be harder to offset. So I'd call that out as a risk to earnings if this this continues to move up significantly uh, in the months ahead. Uh, third, uh, China has been a major engine of growth coming back more quickly from the pandemic. Uh, the PMIs there have moderated. Uh, we're starting to see some signs of a credit slowdown in China. So we, we really need to avoid a material material slowdown here in China, which I would highlight as a risk. Now, we are expecting China to slow, but that to be offset by picking up in the U.S. and Europe as they have lagged a recovery. So we should see a, a handoff here. But again, just moderating, um, monitoring China to see if we get a, a much bigger slowdown. Uh, fourth, the supply chain has been in the news a lot. That's very stressed right now. Logistics costs soaring. And, and a backup at, at the ports out in, in, in L.A. and in California due to an unavailability of shipping containers with uh, to ship items for some overseas. So uh, we are seeing a prime example of this in the semiconductor industry with, with a shortage there that's caused a material production impact in the auto industry. So any further issues with the supply chain, if they persist, uh, could, ha- could be a greater threat for overall production. Uh, and realizing sales for companies in the second half. So that that is another risk that we're looking at. And then finally, overall government spending risk. Uh, I would say that an infrastructure plan is somewhat being baked into expectations here. So if for some reason the Republicans are successful at blocking any legislation uh, going forward, given that it's, it's a 50-50 split in the Senate, is a risk if we don't get any further sim- stimulus 
I think that would be a disappointment uh, at this point. Thank you, Adam, for highlighting those risks spanning policy to supply chain to geopolitics and more. There's certainly a lot to be mindful of. So I do want to take a moment, maybe check in on the Q1 reporting season, which I know is still underway, though we have heard at this point from several names within your space. So anything in the way of notable trends or highlights you can share with us that you've picked up on, Adam? I think overall, the main takeaway is from earnings is how strong, again, they were across most areas. I mean, it's very, very rare that I, I've seen such uh, such leverage and, and such material earnings beats uh, with e-commerce, stay-at-home general machinery and industrial just being very strong. Um, sales year over year, you know, turned positive and, and earnings were about 15% better than expected on average and over 80% of companies exceeded earnings expectations and some of them very materially. So this is definitely a, a quarter to remember uh, given, given the magnitude uh, of the beats that we've, we've seen. I would say the strongest areas that we're seeing in the quarter are not surprisingly in the shorter cycle machiner, uh, machinery and general industrial stocks that do have the most cyclicality. So really not a surprise, but overall good cost control and resulting earnings leverage from better demand I think is is impressive, and I would take that away uh, from the quarter as well, and is a testament to how well companies are managing uh, margins right now. We're also seeing very strong uh, trends in transportation among the rails and freight companies due to the rebound in in goods demand as consumers have really shifted their buying patterns due to COVID, uh, obviously from less services due due to that we're not traveling and getting out as much, and buying more uh, more goods, more things overall, which has really boosted uh, e-commerce demand and, and demand for goods, which has definitely uh, boosted uh, boosted manufacturing, which has helped the uh, industrial sector. I would say the lagging areas in the quarter, aerospace and energy, they're somewhat later cycle and are still suffering from the pandemic. Uh, but we see those areas as materially strengthening as we move throughout the year. Um, and so that that is something that we're looking for. Uh, as we get uh, get into the back half of the year. Really has been a quarter to remember the Q1 reporting season. So thank you, Adam, for highlighting some contributing factors and offering some color in terms of how industrials have been performing and the results we've been seeing. So maybe one final point we could hit on before we close out today's conversation, Adam. In terms of positioning within the group, U.S. industrials, how should investors approach an allocation at this time? I mean, in terms of uh, industrials, we are we are still most preferred on the, on the transport uh, subsector. Uh, we pretty much like all in this, all areas within uh, the transport industry. Uh, highlighting uh, rails, uh, we still see a, a, a nice rebound in volumes that are taking hold right now with positive pricing and very good cost leverage from uh, precision scheduled railroading. So we're seeing a very strong story there uh, in the rails. Uh, as well as freight, uh, the freight parcel companies uh, are looking very strong. They're they're gaining uh, price increases now uh, much better than they've they've seen over the last several years, and we're seeing very big earnings beats coming out of this group with very strong mar- uh, margin leverage um, due to due to this uh, rebounding volumes and increased prices uh, in airlines within transports. Uh, we also see a rebound in corporate and international demand later this year driving the next leg of recovery in the group. Uh, leisure has bounced back strong and has, has allowed these companies to get the cash flow positive. 
Uh, but we think the next leg is coming as, as we get uh, more vaccines being rolled out globally and more people uh, going out to travel and corporations starting to return uh, to more normal business uh, activity. Uh, and capital goods were more selective due to overall valuation, but we do like companies with more self-help and specific catalysts like capital return, M&A, and, and overall restructuring, helping uh, helping margin uh, boost margin improvement. Uh, we also like companies in this area that focus more in the later cycle areas, like energy and infrastructure capital spending, because we think those areas have lag and they're poised uh, to, to turn up over the next uh, six to six to twenty four months. Adam, very productive conversation this morning. So thank you for stopping by, spending a few moments with us, and recapping how the group has been performing and why as of late, offering an outlook in terms of performance expectations, providing some highlights from the Q1 reporting season, naming those risks, and providing your current thinking on positioning. So terrific conversation as always, Adam, and we'll look forward to catching back up again with you soon. Great. Thank you very much. And again, today we've been joined by Adam Shiner, U.S. Industrial and materials analyst for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. That does include Adam's most recent U.S. Industrials equity preference list. So for clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about today's topic or receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.